Welcome to another episode of the Non-Victim Nation podcast. Uh, today we are meeting with Chris and Wes from Canine Defense, and we are going to be talking all about dogs, dog training, why they're important, why they, you know, you should have a dog for more than just something that women keep in their purse. Uh, so with that, I'd kind of like to uh, have you guys introduce yourselves and give a little bit of background. Yeah, I'm Chris. Uh, I do most of the business development stuff for the company. Um, dangerous enough to know enough about dogs to, uh, I guess, be here, right? Yep, there you go. So, um, yeah, that's that's a, it's a little bit tidbit about me. I, I lead the protection dog program. So, okay. uh, if somebody contacts us, uh, probably they're probably going to talk to me. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, my name is Wes. Uh, part of the training team uh, for Canine Defense. Also do a lot of operations stuff. Uh, been with the company um, full time for the last couple of years, uh, but I've been involved on and off uh, while I was an officer for about ten years. Okay, uh, with the company. I got you. So, who's the actual owner of the company, or who started the company? Uh, George Danielos. Okay. Um, we make fun of him because he owns a Mexican restaurant uh, <laughs> and now owns a dog <laughs> training company. But all right. uh, in all fairness, um, you know, everybody in the company is a conduit for him and his knowledge. Okay. And uh, dude's a wizard when it comes to dogs which is why we're all there right so it's a started as a business of passion Mm -hmm. and kept going and growing uh, right to the last probably the last 18 months we went from basically him to about 10 employees okay Uh, so we're getting bigger and bigger uh, but the whole drive behind it uh, started with his passion for building strong biting dogs i gotcha so definitely more on the side of protection um law enforcement application than you know just an animal that you have in the house to, to make noise when people show up at your driveway sure sure we have uh there's basically two aspects of the company uh, military okay. police and protection dogs and then we do mm-hmm. have a, a division of our company that does all sorts of civilian obedience and you know whatever mm-hmm. uh, type of issues come up uh, aggression reactivity all those type of things right also uh, if you want your golden doodle to walk nice yeah okay yeah, we do that too yeah. walk nice yeah, just walk nice on a leash through the town. Oh, yeah. you know, instead of pulling off in yeah. every direction. If, yeah. if you got a golden doodle and you live in Old Town and you want to take your dog in Old Town, right. come talk to us. There you go. Okay. Yep. Right on. <laughs> uh, and then, so talk can or can you talk more about like the your interaction like with law enforcement and like what you do for them specifically? Sure, absolutely. So uh, several years ago. Um, probably close to 15 now. Mm -hmm. Uh, George, the owner, uh, achieved some pretty high-level sport, uh, high-level sport competition awards. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to challenge his training and his ability to build bite dogs further. And he knew the only place to do that was law enforcement because the variables are constantly changing. And it's the only place uh, where you can truly test something like that because there are no guarantees or no knowns. In the sport field, even with a sport like PSA today, which is probably the most um, varying sport, mm-hmm. uh, it's still kind of a known context. Uh, so he started to contact police departments and things like that and help them with bite building, mm-hmm. building stronger dogs. And that's kind of the path it took. Mm-hmm. In uh, 2013, uh, my first dog, Ronan, uh, was shot and killed, not trained by uh, George. And that kind of started the path of me connecting with George and, and, and things of that nature. <clears throat> and uh, my second dog came from George. 
but basically the direction of the company from the early time has been strong police dogs. Right. What we do now is is we sell uh, dual-purpose police dogs, both narcotics mm-hmm. and uh, EOD odors, and then uh, suspect apprehension, suspect locating, that type mm-hmm. of thing. Wow. Yep. Hmm. Right on. You mentioned uh, military as well. Is there a lot of overlap between the sort of training you give for military dogs versus police dogs? So interestingly, interestingly in our company, uh, all of our dogs, no matter what it's there for, the foundation starts the same. Right. And uh, there's kind of misnomer about uh, how dogs are trained. Some dogs are trained differently. And really the foundation is the same no matter what. Mm-hmm. Uh, you dress the dog internally uh, and start building upon from there. Uh, but law enforcement dogs in general, whether it's military or police, mm-hmm. uh, they're trained in the same fashion. The only part that changes a little bit is what you're going to use the dog for in deployment, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that's a behavior thing. We train the behaviors specific to deployment, right? Mm-hmm. Area law enforcement around here or, or most of the country, I would say, you know, the, the, the way they use them, you know, uh, robbery occurs, something occurs, mm-hmm. suspect runs off into the woods, the wilderness, the desert, whatever it is, and they mm-hmm. use the dog to locate that suspect. And if the suspect doesn't give up, they get bit right. as an apprehension tool. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that's kind of how they're used today. And then bigger than that uh, is deterrence. They're a huge deterrent. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, down the line is, you know, uh, detection capabilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, they probably get more used more for detection capabilities depending where you are than anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just the presence of a canine unit driving around from location to location changes the dynamic completely. Right. Um, so kind of on our side of it, working for corrections, mm-hmm. um, there's a, the, you know, the, the canine units will just show up like at a unit for, for whatever reason, either because they know that they're going to be doing cell searches or because they're just kind of making the rounds and checking things out, right? But like when, when the dogs are coming into the building, you'll hear it all throughout the the building. Like all the inmates are like, you know, dogs, canines here, you know, letting yep. them know that shit's happening, you know, yep. and to kind of be prepared. Um, and it's also kind of interesting just the the interaction of like, I've seen people that aren't afraid of anything. They they you know either because they're not all there in the head or just because of that, you know. They're, they're fully confident that they can take on six officers, you know. When a fucking dog shows up, there's a whole other thing. It's Absolutely. like, you know, they're, they're going to, like, stop doing what they're doing right now. Absolutely. You know. There's that psychological aspect that yeah. you can't control, right? It's, it's deep mm-hmm. uh, in people. And there's something about it. You know, if you, if you remember years ago when tasers came out, mm-hmm. when they first hit the scene and people started being tased, everybody was terrified of them. Right. Yeah. Now you see all kinds of video where they're like, go ahead and tase me. I don't care. Right. Because it's become normal place. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's still that mystique and that unknown about dogs. Right. Uh, and then there's that factor of an animal coming mm-hmm. after you. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Uh, predator Ooh. prey, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, that that psychological piece. Uh, I've not I, I, clearly we've had people back from my law enforcement days that you know, challenged it and weren't phased by it. Of course, any tool has limitations, right? But mm-hmm. more times than not, high, high, 80, 90%, just those showing up changed everything, just like you experienced mm-hmm. in the jails, you know? Yeah. And uh, so valuable, so valuable. Because yeah. it keeps us out of, mm-hmm. you know, having to do anything right. uh, more serious. Right? Yeah, it's its own deterrent. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So um, one of the things that I did... I remember reading about this a long time ago, and I, and I did just a little bit of research before I, I came out here. Yep. Um, 
just kind of the history of like humans and dogs, right? Mm-hmm. And how they were domesticated, when they were domesticated. And there's like archaeological evidence that suggests that they were the first animal to be domesticated by humans 30,000 years ago, which is 10,000 years before even horses. Yep. So there is a very strong relationship between humans and dogs that doesn't exist with any anything else, right? Which I find absolutely fascinating because... You know, in in the earliest period of man, like when we were just beginning to form into groups, you know, to help survive, you know, forming that symbiotic relationship with dogs has allowed us to to kind of become as dominant as we were because we needed their help for things that we can't necessarily do, sure. which is, you know, like hurting animals, um, you know, just being an early alarm system uh, and, you know, hunting. So, and all of those things, even though it's it's to much different degrees now, that aspect still exists. It's like we still need dogs for those things, and it's really truly beneficial, I believe, to people, and specifically like families, to have that because there is that relationship and because they do provide such a benefit to people. Absolutely. So beyond just this is something to pet when I come home. Absolutely. You know, and uh, you know from the from the canine perspective you know it's it's the most successful species mm-hmm. in so many cultures uh, because they're about survival yeah. right? and exactly what you said going back that far mm-hmm. you know the animal itself is there to find a way to live and be successful basically mm-hmm. um, and they've been integrated into so many places like you know these days the pet industry the dog industry is yeah. one of the fastest growing out there mm-hmm. um, but absolutely lending to the presence of that animal and what it can do for a family mm-hmm. um, we tell, often tell people when they're in the market for protection dogs you know here's what it takes to have a protection dog but don't mm-hmm. ever underestimate a pointy-eared obedient dog and right. what that can do for you and your family mm-hmm. you know um, depending on your security concerns right so something you said there just made me think of something else um, like marketing and selling of dogs. And uh, I believe that was something that, that Chris had brought up too uh, before we kind of started recording. That uh, I know that there were a lot of times in history where like a particular dog breed was super uh, popular. So like, uh, what were they? Not terriers. Uh, anyway, they, like certain breeds will become so popular that like people will breed them over and over and Absolutely. even to the extent of like inbreeding them yep. and they create deficiencies in the dog itself because of that. Um, and I know things like that still exist that people are doing now. Yeah. There, I mean, there's a lot of that going on, right? Um, I think, but in general, um, every breed, mm-hmm. there, there's it's not about the breed. It's about the individual dog. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, some of the breeds that have been around like Dobermans and uh, you know Pibbles or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. They obviously there there may be uh, more bad breeding in those because they're mm-hmm. popular and people want them, right? Um, you know, for us, it's I guess we're not going to to common breeders, so it, it is still a challenge, right? Uh, I think I think people don't understand how rare it is mm-hmm. to get a dog with capabilities for us, right? Okay, you know for. For police dogs, for mm-hmm. for our standards, there's a reason why we've become popular in the industry, right? There, there's a reason why agencies seek to train with us and seek to get dogs from us. And the same thing with personal protection dogs, right? Mm-hmm. There's a reason why 
uh, our dogs are a little bit different is because our expectations for those dogs are so much higher. It's not about just, I'm going to go get this dog, you know, the male and the female that it came from, uh, are, you know, really high level dogs or whatever it may be. Right. You, mm-hmm. you can have two perfect dogs and breed them together and you might not have any of those pups actually make it to high level work out of that group. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a lot of people miss that N- not saying like those dogs can't look good or do right. good obedience or anything, mm-hmm. but for what, for what we're looking for, can they operate at a really high level? Like, can they work and they bite people at a really high level, but still be social mm-hmm. and still be able to environmentally be stable and all those things that we look for in dogs. Mm-hmm. Right. Do they have it most of the time? Not right. Right. It's, it's very, very rare. Mm-hmm. So just to put it in perspective, we just went on a trip to Holland and these are, right. you know, we go visit people that we've built relationships over the years and, um, you know, they really know what they're doing. They're mm-hmm. really good at it. Right. They produce some of the best dogs in the world. We tested 41 of their dogs out of different companies mm-hmm. and only four made the cut. Wow. Right. Wow. And out of those four, maybe one, mm-hmm. possibly not even one would make the cut for personal protection. Okay. Right, because a personal protection dog is the rarest of the dogs. Right, it's it's mm-hmm. it's way more rare than a police dog because it has to have everything a police dog has, but it has to be able to like you know be good with family, be good with kids, be good with other dogs. Right, you know, be cool in the house. Right, mm-hmm. where a police dog maybe I could have a little bit of baggage and it doesn't necessarily matter because well I don't necessarily need it to be good with other dogs or whatever. Right, right. so a little bit of baggage there doesn't necessarily matter. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I think a big part of the industry in general, other companies miss is they start to compromise on the protection work mm-hmm. to be able to place a dog in a home. Okay. And for us, that's, you know, that's one of our biggest things, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're where are we at today because of the bite work we're, where we're at today because how our dogs fight. Okay. Right. But it's extremely rare to have a dog to be able to be that high level in the fight, but also be able to go into a home. Super rare. Right. What we see normally is dogs that are sold in the industry for personal protection. They're great dogs, Mm -hmm. but you know, maybe they're not actually that reliable when it comes down to it and you need them to fight for you. Right. Which is kind of the important part of that. That's what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. Uh, You know, another thing to remember is like, not everybody wants a dog to actually bite someone when you tell it to bite someone right some people just want a dog to like look aggressive Mm -hmm. or show aggression or bark right Mm -hmm. like you'll see a lot of these companies sell dogs that just bark on command kind of thing right Mm -hmm. you know for us it's it's just not what we're about right like we're we're selling you you know a dog that could be integrated in your lifestyle and your home and your family but also have everything it takes to fight at a super high level which Mm -hmm. that's extremely rare you you're really it's going to be hard pressed. You're going to be hard pressed to find that in the industry. And the thing is like, you know, people don't know what they're looking at. Right. Mm -hmm. When you, when you're going out shopping for protection dogs, 99.9% of the people that are shopping for protection dogs, they don't know what to look for. Right. Right. Those dogs look good. They look like they could fight. They look mean. Yeah. Right. And they, and they can come into my household and they can hang out. Mm -hmm. But most of the time when you get somebody experienced looking at those dogs, they'll, you know, it's pretty obvious. Like, they might not have what it takes to be in a stressful situation and fight for you. Right. Maybe they might do it in a situation they're comfortable in, like in your Mm -hmm. house, like, you know, 
Right. So it, change a variable. Yeah, you things. change one variable, it might not work. Okay. You know, for so for us, those dogs like to make the cut for that, they've got to be able to do this kind of work at a very high level in any environment, whenever you need them, mm-hmm. under any kind of stress. Right. right. Super rare. Super rare. So people with common dogs, can they be trained maybe not to that extent, but but up to a certain point where they can still accomplish the same thing? Yeah, but, to an extent, right? Every right. dog has limitations, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, just like, you know, some dogs might be beginner, intermediate, expert level, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, I, I think you're kind of referencing, like, other people with, like, you know, Malinois and German Shepherds or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, can they be trained to that extent? Uh, a lot of times, no, not at all. Mm-hmm. We train a little bit differently, right? We're not teaching dogs from a state of uh, state of mind of defensiveness right mm-hmm. we don't want them to you know do this kind of work from you know internally they're thinking like hey i want to save myself like self-preservation right we want them to be confident doing this to kind of work mm-hmm. right we don't want them to be stressed out when right. they're doing this mm-hmm. so to find a dog with that confidence is mm-hmm. already pretty rare so right. just to put it in perspective we get calls like Every couple of days, hey, I got a Malinois, hey, I got a German Shepherd, Pitbull, Doberman, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of Corso. Can we? Can you teach it to do protection work? Well, we do an evaluation. Like, I'd say there's like a five percent mm-hmm. uh, success rate of us like passing the evaluation and saying, "All right, let's go on to see how far we can get." Right. Mm-hmm. And out of that five percent maybe like one or two dogs out in a year might actually make the cut to like, all right, I could possibly call this dog a protection dog. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, I think there might be a lot of other places out there in the industry that that success rate might be a lot higher because maybe they don't have the expectations we do mm-hmm. and maybe they're training from a different state of mind, right? Maybe right. they are, you know, putting the dog in a little bit more of a defensive state of mind, Right. Mm-hmm. To show aggression, to show, show its teeth or whatever, right? Right. Um, you know, for us, it's a little bit different, right? We want the reliability, and it's pretty hard to make that cut. Mm-hmm. For any of the dogs that that don't quite make the cut, are there, I guess, still static parts of yeah. instruction that that you yeah. can impart on them? So you know, like let's say, let's say maybe the dog doesn't internally have what it takes to do that type of work. And we don't want to put it in a stressed state of mind to do that type of work. Sure. So maybe we will train like an aggression cue, right? Like it's like a behavior that you teach, right? Hey, mm-hmm. look at this guy, show aggression, bark at him, mm-hmm. right? Um, to the dog, it's a game, but mm-hmm. obviously to right. whoever it's barking at, it's kind of scary. You don't want to, right. you don't want to mess yeah. with a dog that's like showing aggression. Mm-hmm. And that's like, you know, probably pretty good for most people. Mm-hmm. you know yeah, yeah that gets back um, into that psychological thing of people absolutely and how they feel about dogs yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. um it like yeah just to put a precedent on how rare it mm. is to get a, a dog mm. and and get it to the personal protection level right mm-hmm. at a high high working level right now right. i'm not just talking about hey like can this dog maybe bite someone right when you tell it to but also be completely social with everyone mm-hmm. right um it, that it kind of like jumps into another topic, right? Like you'll see this kind of talked about in the industry, right? The dog knows when there's a threat mm-hmm. or the dog understands 
or perceives the bad guy. It's like mm-hmm. total bullshit. Hmm. Like, all right, the dog can't make up its own mind. <laughs> right. Like, well, they can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in the right. wrong direction. Right. right. In the wrong yeah. direction. Yeah. We right. know this if you look at everybody else's, not everybody else's, but if you look at, you know, everybody has dogs, mm-hmm. and think of, in development and puppyhood. Do they make more good decisions or more bad decisions? Do you think that stops when they get older? No, they just learn right. ins and outs, ins and outs, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Teaching by work is the same way. It's contextual. Mm-hmm. You have to teach them uh, the pictures when we want them to do the job that they do, and it's always done under our command. Uh, don't leave it up to them because they'll make a bad decision. Well, like, you know, like those dogs, right, that, like, they make up their – they know who the bad guy is, right? Mm-hmm. Most of the time – they're showing that aggression or they're doing that bite work from a state of mind of defense, right? They're mm-hmm. like, kind of like, oh man, this guy, I don't like this guy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to fuck him up because I don't like him. And that's mm-hmm. what I'm taught. So I'm going to, yeah. you know, show this aggression because mm-hmm. I want to push that threat away, right? Right. Which like, you know, to, it, another thing to consider is like those dogs that are coming from that state of mind, they don't actually want to be in the fight in the first place, right? So wherever those mm-hmm. thresholds and limitations that dog has, it's going to, it's going to look for an out in the fight. Mm-hmm. Right. Whereas if you're teaching a dog from praying confidence and a state of mind of like, Hey, I want to go mess this guy up because you told me to, and it's fun. It's a game. And yes, I, I, I now understand how to fight. Right. right? Mm-hmm. They're in it to win it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Until we tell them done. to stop. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and we teach the dog to, how to fight through stress and just to keep fighting, right? The answer to adversity is fight harder. Yeah. Yeah. And, but we do touch on all of those things. Mm-hmm. Like we're always going to touch on every drive a dog has. And sometimes when sometimes we touch on defensiveness, right? Everybody has it. Yeah. Um, you know, I always go back to martial arts. You look at it and like your highest level practitioners, mm-hmm. uh, they're not out running their mouths a whole lot. Right. Right. True. Yeah. Very capable, very stable. Doesn't mean once in a while you get a bad egg. But they're everywhere, right? Right. Um, it's the same thing for our dogs, right? Highly capable, highly stable, highly social, confident. And when you have that confidence, you walk around, you don't worry about what's going on around you. Because right. you don't need to. <laughs> yeah. So there was uh, one of the uh, one of the canine unit guys that I talked to was telling me a story about there was a fire in one of the buildings. This was like years and years ago. Uh, and they had cleared most of the building out, but there was one inmate that had stayed inside, and he was loose, and he had a prison-made weapon, so he had a knife, essentially. And the uh, the, the canine uh, officer went in. The dog had the, the muzzle on. He yeah. hadn't taken it off yet. Sure. And uh, so when the, the inmate confronted the officer and tried to attack him, the dog was doing everything it could to, like, it, it was, like, literally punching him with his muzzle, but he couldn't actually get the bite. Of course, yeah. You know, but... It, you know, even though the, there was like, you know, smoke in the area, you know, there was stress and, and things, you know, you know, the interaction of the officer and the inmate fighting, the dog just was very persistent about, you know, getting in there and trying to do what it was supposed to do yep. to protect that officer. Mm-hmm. So I imagine that's kind of like what you're talking about. Just yeah, they, those, they, the, move, they fight through stress. Those are the variables, right? Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, everything in life is about variable change, mm-hmm. uh, stress thresholds, all those type of things, humans canine doesn't matter what it is right right and uh, a dog like that with all of those things occurring mm-hmm. we need to have that right mm-hmm. uh, going back to our law enforcement roots that's why george was pushed down the law enforcement path because you can't control them 
right? Mm -hmm. It's always a new challenge. You have to be very creative. Mm -hmm. You always have to be thinking progressively about how we're going to build stronger dogs. And even more, I would say, in the civilian sector because it's so much more rare mm -hmm. to have a confrontation where you have to use a dog. Mm -hmm. The dog has to be more prepared, more capable of handling, handling variables uh, because there's constant, constant training in law enforcement. And mm -hmm. we sometimes we can go into a situation with a dog and maybe the dog's not prepared for it. Mm -hmm. But guess what? There's 12 of us behind the dog. Right. And the, the situation gets resolved. And then we go and add some training to it. Mm -hmm. In the civilian world, it's a one-shot deal. Right? Yeah. Uh, not to say, I always tell people, never shoot for that for law, in law enforcement. You know, mm -hmm. it almost got me killed. Um, and uh, we don't prepare that way, but sometimes it happens, right? Right. Uh, it's one of those those uh, things, unfortunate. Right. So in the, have you had a lot of feedback about some of the dogs that you've um, trained and, and sold? Like the experiences Absolutely. they've had. Yes, yeah. we, we're keeping really tight contact um, mm -hmm. with all of our, our dogs that go out. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, because we s train and sell a lot of police dogs, mm -hmm. we get a lot of frequency and deployments and things of that nature. And we're mm -hmm. always taking each one of those and breaking it down and um, looking at it from a way to improve our program, our systems. Uh, but our dogs are out working every single day, which mm -hmm. means they're doing everything we train them to do every single day. Whether yep. that's finding an odor or biting a person or finding a person. Uh, matter of fact, on our way here today, one of our handlers uh, from northern Arizona uh, was super ecstatic. He's had four drug finds in the last 24 hours. Right? Wow. So once he comes down off of his high, we're going to grab a hold of him and be like, hey, <laughs> what was good, what was bad? Right. right? What was good, what was bad? What we care about mm -hmm. is what didn't go like it mm -hmm. should. Mm -hmm. Right. The good stuff, great. But improvement comes on the other side. Mm -hmm. uh, the things we can improve upon that need need some attention. So a lot of people, you know, they're like, oh, police dogs, protection, personal protection dogs, mm -hmm. like they kind of like separate them. But in reality, they're, they're not separate. Mm -hmm. uh, they're the same, except the personal protection dogs are more capable. So you know, the reason why I kind of go after this is like you'll start to see industry in the industry, right? There's companies mm -hmm. that only do personal protection right mm -hmm. um you know for us it's like we have seven different avenues to go down right like we get dogs we raise them if they fit a police department we'll put them in a police department if they fit in a sport home we put them in a sport home right if they fit mm -hmm. personal protection that's the most rare we put them in a personal protection role but mm -hmm. it gives us flexibility to make sure we're placing dogs in the right homes right mm -hmm. um there's not a lot of companies out there, I feel like, that can say that the dogs they put out, we know what they're doing, we know how they're biting and who they're biting and how often they're biting and mm -hmm. how often they're finding drugs, right? Um, and we transfer all that knowledge into the dogs we sell for families, too. Right? Well, so on that note, do you get feedback from the families about some interaction that they've had or um, experiences of course. they've had? Of course, yeah. So, you know, a, a big thing for us since, like, we know what dogs are going to work and what don't work, right? Mm -hmm. So we're able to kind of, when we put a dog somewhere, our name is behind it, right? right? Whether it's with an agency, a civilian home, sport home, whatever it may be, right? Mm -hmm. um, our standards are super high. Mm -hmm. So any, anything that happens, we're, we're, it's, a, it's, a, it's a relationship that lasts for the dog's life and beyond, right? Mm -hmm. um, we're, we're, not, we're never going to place a dog somewhere 
and it's a turnkey thing. Here's your manual. We'll see you later. Right. <laughs> it's impossible. Yeah. No, no we matter, see it. Yeah. We see it a lot. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. um, oh yeah, dude. In the industry, yeah, like dog gets flown in. Here's a manual. Yeah, yeah, like it doesn't how you, work dude, like that. Yeah, right? like right. you don't know even anything about dogs. You're just gonna hand a dog over. It doesn't work like that. Right. Now, most of the time, those dogs aren't actually capable, right? So they're just good dogs, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the, not, and and again, right? I, there's there's nothing these companies are doing wrong. I think they're just unaware, mm-hmm. right? Because the expectations aren't there. They're not. They're just unaware, right? There's there's a there's a lack mm-hmm. of knowledge there. But um, whether you're with an agency or just a family. Um, if you get a dog from us, you're probably going to train with us for a couple months nice. before we hand them over. Right. Because you need to understand how dogs work. That's an important part. And yeah. we're, yeah. we're always available. Always yeah. available. Right. Uh, reach out to us. And anything you do uh, on the canine world, training has to be constant. Mm-hmm. Uh, you build it into part of your life. It becomes a routine. You know you're training the dog. It just the dog. It's training for the dog. For us, it has to become routine. Um, and without that, there is no proficiency. So it's just reinforcing the things that you've been teaching the Absolutely. dog up to that point. Yep. And then challenging them, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where we're always in contact with our clients. And, right. you know, uh, we just flew a dog in from another state. He'll train with us for a bit. Then we'll fly there and do some scenario-based stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Those things have to happen. If they're not happening, mm-hmm. you cannot rely on the tool. You know, if you have a gun and you don't clean it, you leave it in a bucket of water. Yeah. Right? Guess what? Probably it's not, not going to work. work. Right. Yeah. Uh, this is no different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So even before I started the podcast, there there was always a sort of thought process in my head that there are certain things that people need to know, or they, they need to develop for themselves. They they need to learn martial arts so that they can defend themselves. They need to learn how to use firearms again to defend themselves or others. Um, or others, you know. Um, but having a dog, like I said, is is always, and it kind of goes back to that the symbiotic relationship between humans and dogs. I just think that it's important that they have that as part of their, if you think of, of the whole scope of, of your protection of you and your family and what's important and, and all the things that need to be there, that's one piece that, that's very important. Mm-hmm. And I think that most people don't understand that. And again, they, they think too much of dogs as just a pet, sure. as just like something that they greet you when you come home and that that's wonderful you know and you have people that have really tiny dogs you know that they love and that's great but that dog is not serving any purpose other than for aesthetics it's, it's not doing anything to protect you sure. well they so, love him dude you know yeah well, that's that. <laughs> yeah they love him yeah. 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 yeah you know, you know? And, and you know it's not nothing the love side of it is somewhere we see all the time right mm-hmm. when uh we we People bring us all kinds of dogs, protection dogs, whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. It becomes about expectation. Yeah, right? dude, there's some a, dogs that come in, man. I love these dogs, man. They're like yeah, they awesome. they don't do anything except hang out, but you <laughs> yeah. know, they're pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know. I got a little tiny one in there right now that's pretty cool. But yeah. you know, mm-hmm. obviously the, the protection dog side of it is a little bit more utility mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. But still there's it's a, it's a living creature you know yeah. so you have love for it but right but I, we see yeah. we see that happen on the protection side too like right mm-hmm. so the owner buys this dog from wherever mm-hmm. um they move here or they want to challenge things they come to us we start doing some things and and you know the dog is a good dog but maybe not a 10 on the scale of one to ten maybe right. it's a seven and we can help a little bit and do some things but it's not a 10 mm-hmm. A lot of times they're connected to the dog now, right? Right. But the presence of that dog still super valuable, like you right. said. And, and we're seeing now, 
with all the things going on in society, mm-hmm. uh, people are really seeking another layer of protection. Right. Security cameras, guns, this, that, dogs. Yeah. I right. think people dogs. forget the layers. You know what I mean? They do. Like, it's all about the layers. Like, how many houses you walk in their backyard? There's no lights, you know? Yeah. Right? Like, lights, man. Come yeah. on. Simple. E- even something like that, right? Right. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I don't think you could ever really rely on one tool. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I and said, it's important to have a lot of these things. The more you have mm-hmm. compared to your neighbor, mm-hmm. guess where they go? And right. I don't wish bad on my neighbor. Right. I'll go help them. Mm-hmm. Right. I'd love, love to bring my dog over there and get a bite on your property. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, but you know what? That's, that's how it goes. And the more yeah. layers we add, um, the mm-hmm. safer we are. So I remember in the 80s especially, there was like a really huge thing about pit bulls. Everybody made this huge deal of pit bulls and how they were the most dangerous, the most fearsome, the most awful things oh, you could dude. possibly have. Yeah. Right? And in my experience, you know, except for the ones that have been abused or trained specifically to be aggressive, mm-hmm. they're the most lovable, happiest, dumbest dogs I've ever met. Sure. You know, I think they're incredible. Sure. You know, so I'm sure that there's probably a stigma against a lot of dogs so when people are picking their dog, they're saying, and, and I use this as, as an example, like people will see like the John Wick movie and they see these, these Malinois that are out there just like fucking people up, right? Yeah. And they say, oh yeah, I want that as my dog, right? You see it all the time. It's like, they're probably going to not get the dog they want. Yeah, but I always think it's like, well, that's probably not the best way to decide what kind of dog you should have, like what's yeah. good for you. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. So do you have any uh, thoughts on, on how you kind of... Uh, like encourage people, dogs to their owners. You know? Like matching. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're really ingrained in, in client relations. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, you, you, people can want a protection dog from us. Mm-hmm. That's great. It starts with you coming to meet us. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a conversation and we kind of come up with some expectations on your end. And honestly, we're assessing the client to see if it's mm-hmm. within their capabilities, mentality wise, all of these things. Right. right. Um, and that's the first part of the process. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just put one of our dogs with a, uh, we're getting ready to transition one of our dogs to a family and, you know, they came in and there's just one, there's intangible things that as dog trainers and dog people, we can see and feel and all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. It sets the dog up for success mm-hmm. and it sets them up for success, right? right. No matter what, it's about transparency, mm-hmm. right? Cause you want a Lamborghini. Mm-hmm. You don't want to drive a Lamborghini every day down the freeway, right? right. Because you can only go 65, yeah. right? You want to do 180 or right. 65? Well, all right. Well, let's go way out west somewhere and take the Lamborghini. Other than that, let's drive the Tesla or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Right. You have to be clear with folks about that. Why is it going to be a Lamborghini, though? <laughs> no. I don't know. I don't know. Just Shelby? Don't... No. Huh? I don't know. I'm just saying. <laughs> I think the first thing people have to actually answer is like do you want a dog of those capabilities mm-hmm. yeah good point right like a lot of people don't right they just want a dog to fart on the couch yeah. and <laughs> well they like the idea they, they want the idea yeah. of a protection yeah. dog right mm-hmm. I i'm want, from the east coast so idea yeah. of it yeah. mm-hmm. i want the idea right, yeah. of a, yeah. i want a dog to look badass like john wick mm-hmm. yeah right but I want to love it and I want it to like hang out on the couch and whatever and just, yeah. you know, but also do all this crazy 
Ferrari stuff or Lamborghini stuff, right. whatever, right? And that's where the Pitbull stuff came in, right? Yeah. It's yeah. the view, the perception of yeah. it, the thing. Like, like think of so many things in society that become these huge icon mm-hmm. items, mm-hmm. right? Right. You break it down, there's not much to it, not much behind it. That ain't us. You buy a dog, right. Lamborghini, or whatever your, your uh, you know, F-15 of choice, whatever that right. is, right? We'll, we'll go with high speed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right on. Um, yeah, man, I think this is a good question to ask. If you're a civilian, mm-hmm. why don't you ask yourself, like, what actually do you want? Yeah. Because right? yeah. it may not be as rare as you would think. Right? Gotcha. Um, case in point, right, like, the rarity of our dogs, mm-hmm. especially for personal protection, right? Super rare. We we have a waiting list. It's tough to get dogs from us mm-hmm. because of the rarity, right? There's a lot of companies out there that like, look, we have 15 dogs available. Come pick which one you want. Mm-hmm. Right. It's impossible. How is it possible for a whole litter? Like they have a litter. Every dog in the litter makes the cut. How is that possible? It's impossible. Mm-hmm. It can't happen. Because we have litters of perfect litters, right? Litters that we've done a, a bunch of research on, and and we've we've Develop. known these dogs, we've developed these dogs, we we understand what they are. We have a litter, and maybe one out of ten will make the cut, mm-hmm. right? And same thing with overseas, right? Those guys will tell you the same thing. Their experience, right? Dogs in Europe are the culture is completely different there, right? Dogs yeah. are like horses, kind of, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they have pedigrees and, you know, they raise them certain ways and they develop them certain ways, but they'll be the first ones to tell you, right? Not every dog is going to make the cut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's like, I think people forget about the genetic rarity. Right. Right. Yeah. And those genetics, they're, you know, it's not what most people think, right? Those genetics determine, you know, that window of sociability, that window of, how tolerant the dog is of things, stuff like stuff along mm-hmm. those well, things, right? Yeah, but right. we also see this a lot with even really good genetics. If you don't match it with development, mm-hmm. it's like anything else. Yep. You mm-hmm. know, it's it's got to be paired, right? Now, genetics will pull through some lacking in development, right? Right. Uh, but you got to pair the two of them. Uh, it's two aspects we're really, really passionate about. Um, mm-hmm. We love raising puppies. Uh, we put a lot of time and effort into it. Uh, we right. don't look past any aspect of it. Uh, with development, with, with genetics, success rates go way up. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. not always how you raise the dog, guys. Yep. <laughs> Actually, a lot of it. Like, people have that, like, oh, no, it's how it's raised. Well, yeah, some it, it's going to influence those genetics, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, and, you know, I talk to people about this a lot. Like, you know, I, I like I'm, like, talking about a dog, and I'm like, yeah, you know, maybe genetically this and that. And they're like, they give me this look like, you're a fucking asshole. Why, it's a dog. It's, it's, Are it's, you racist towards dogs? It's the way you raised it. Yeah. Just just train it better. Yeah. yeah. That's not how it works. Right. Yeah. So regarding the, uh, the the sort of stigma surrounding pit bulls and, you know, the, the genetics of each dog, um, and, of course, wanting to have a dog that is, you know, safe to have around your family yep. and kids especially, are, are, like, are there certain breeds that have that sort of predisposition, or is it all just yeah, training? Yeah, I guess how controversial do you want to get? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Now, so uh, what you've seen, you brought up earlier about uh, the different breeds coming through time mm-hmm. used for this type of work, right? Mm-hmm. 
uh, like the generation before me in law enforcement was using Rottweilers, right? And then they moved right. on from Rottweilers to uh, German Shepherds, mm. and now they're under Malinois and Dutch Shepherds. Uh, that, I think there's reasons that that all occurs. Mm. A lot of it becomes because we learn how to push the dog's capabilities further and further, mm. and now we require from the Corvette to the Ferrari, right? Mm. Right. Uh, it's just like, you know, I, I think raced motorcycles as a kid, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, my first motorcycle wasn't a, you know, CR250 or whatever I was riding at the time. It was a 50, right? right. But then that wasn't enough, and I was too big riding around looking dumb and moving around, and I had to step up and upgrade and upgrade, and that's progression, right? right. And that's where those breed changes come into play. Uh, these days we see uh, there's a really high um, – lean towards the Malinois, Dutch Shepherd. Uh, Law enforcement protection-wise, there's several reasons. They're highly athletic. And if we've selected the right dog, they don't really have a lot of self-preservation. And when I'm going into a violent situation, I need those two things. Right. And I think that's how the the progression through time over specific breeds. Mm -hmm. Now we have people bring us all kinds of dogs. what was the pup we tested yesterday? Uh, the Mitzi lookalike. The Mitzi look. Oh, uh, a, uh, a giant Schnauzer. The giant Dude, Schnauzer. this thing, yeah. I can't believe it, man. Look, you're not like George is over there. He's got these stupid standards, right? Like mm-hmm. maybe one out of one time in a year, he'll be like, "Oh, that's that's a great dog," yeah. right? Right. And this dog walked in, giant Schnauzer. This dog's a winner, man. Yeah. Winner. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually going to contact the breeder and try to, uh, you know, just pick his brain. Yeah. Yep. You know, but maybe he doesn't even know he's doing something right. But, dude, that dog, <laughs> as a puppy, right, you're, you're as a puppy, right, eight weeks old, you're seeing a lot of genetics shine through, right? Mm-hmm. And at low states of drive, right, this dog walks in, like, like doesn't give a shit about anything that's mm-hmm. going on, right? Mm-hmm. Walks in with super confidence. Head up. Head up. Comes right in. Wants yep. food. Doesn't, you know, touch doesn't matter. Super social. Walks yep. up to everybody. George pulls out a rag, starts chasing the rag like it's yep. never seen a rag yep. before. Starts chasing it. <laughs> yeah. Everything we want to see in a dog. Right. So that's like a sleeper car, right? Mm-hmm. Giant schnauzer. Everybody's like, what's this thing, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Challenge me. See what's up. You know, I always said when I was a cop, I wanted to work a, a Malinois with two floppy ears. Because I figured people would challenge me more because it doesn't have two pointy ears, right? Right. Mm-hmm. You want the sleeper car, right? They're out there. They're out mm-hmm. there. But in time, they've we've pushed and progressed in training and what we can get out of dogs. So mm-hmm. we want more and more and more and more, right? Right. And uh, that's where we're at now. Uh, really big push these days uh, for GSD. Like I said, Dutch Shepherd, Malinois. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the movies are out there. So, right. But right. also, you know, those those lot those types of breeds right like dobermans and stuff like that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. bulldogs that used to be used in law enforcement um you know over the years of breeding right maybe that state of mind isn't there that we want right that Mm -hmm. that confidence isn't there anymore right Mm -hmm. maybe it's they're naturally a little bit defensive right right which we don't want because if we're sending them into something to go fight by themselves that dog might not work out that way And health-wise, right? Like Rottweilers yeah. were used. They're yeah. like the linemen, right? Right. Well, linemen, you know, they're not going to have a Tom Brady 20-year career. There's a reason for that, right. you know? 
and uh, you got to consider all those things: longevity, athleticism, all that type of stuff. Yeah, it's not it's not a uh, you know uncommon to see a Malinois live in 17, 18 years and, wow. and beyond, right? Like that's it. It's very common, right? 13, 14 years, no problem, right? It's very uh, it's it's normal. Whereas like you know maybe German Shepherds, eight, ten years, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So a few more years out of lifespan is definitely a bonus when you're either a getting a personal protection dog or you know it's in an agency, and you know obviously government has budget, so mm-hmm. it's it's a bonus mm-hmm. when you get a oh, little the bit government more government budget. Yeah, <laughs> the bane of my existence. <laughs> yeah. 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 Regarding that uh, that that sort of extended longevity, um, when for the melon one in particular is it kind of that that time to sort of settle down? Uh, law enforcement much. side, uh, I'd say uh, industry standards is between eight and ten years, because mm-hmm. um, you are really working the dog hard um, if you're in a high frequency area. Right. Um, uh, the protection side, though, like Chris was saying, you know, easily over ten years mm-hmm. uh, of serviceability, I would say. Right. Uh, but then you gotta, like any athlete, right? You gotta take it out of service at some point and let right. it be about the animal. Sure. Um, we're gonna always give them work use their brain, do those type of things, mm-hmm. but it has to change. Uh, mm-hmm. It has to change for them because uh, they're elderly. Right? So right. We don't want to put them in pain during work, no. right? Like right. if they're old and you know they're starting to degrade, we're not just going to like make them you know, jump through windows and yeah. stuff, right? Right. right. It's a Keep high contact sport. Yeah. <laughs> high contact. Right. So. Hmm. Yeah. so I know that for... Like in terms of firearms, uh, there's there's the uh, the, the yeah the the use like like the legal use of force. You know, you have the uh, Jeopardy intent um, ability. Are there? Is it? Uh, do dogs have to follow the same rules? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. I know that like in some places there's you know castle doctrine, standard ground. Like <laughs> yeah. it's the same thing for dogs. Like, yeah. So disclaimer. Uh, I'm not an know, attorney. Yeah, just uh, consult with your attorney first right. before you. <laughs> right. Do this, so. But but it's not as simple as I don't like that guy. Go get sick him. No. Right. right. No. Right. Yeah, or even like not. like you know if somebody's coming into my house and my dog what I think does the right thing and you know fucking bites him. Right. Like is right. that going to come back on the dog? Yeah. I mean, I guess you're always just like firearms. You know, you may get stuck with a civil case after. So. Right. You know, you know, somebody's committing the fucking crime. And... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but in reality, if I'm if, if if the dog, the gun, the pepper spray, whatever it is, right, the presence of it hasn't solved it. I'll pay the I'll pay out. Yeah, sure. whatever it's gonna Shit's be. Going I need yeah. my attorney anyways, right? Because we've gone to a level, you know. Uh, I mean, litigation, even in law enforcement, is just part mm-hmm. of it, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so what do you what are we contemplating? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Do you you want to be safe and have to worry about contemplating maybe legal mm-hmm. stuff, or do you want to be, you know, laying in your driveway because mm-hmm. you didn't put these layers in place, you know? Or more specifically, like your your wife and your kids oh, being huge. harmed because yeah, you trained, huge, you know, huge, you huge. know. Mm-hmm. That's our most recent client, you know. Uh, great family, mm-hmm. uh, but want to feel safe. And the, the husband, it's very clear, it has nothing to do with him. Mm-hmm. My wife and kids need to feel safe where we are. Right. And that's it. Period. I think that's why most of most of our clients get dogs, right? It's mm-hmm. about the family, right? Um, it, it's very rare that we get, like, a single dude that's yeah. like, hey, I need a protection dog. <laughs> we just had one and he threw in the towel. 
Yeah, he threw oh, in yeah. the towel. Right. It's his good buddy, so we're just gonna talk a little shit. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Throw in the towel. Now, granted, you know he did get kind of more of a pup, which is a rare situation. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. But we're yeah. still gonna talk shit about it. We're still gonna talk yeah. shit about it. And him, every but... time I see him, I will not let him forget he gave up. Yeah. Right. Rightfully right. so. Yeah. Quitter. Good dude. Well, he. You know, a, a case in point, right? Like, if you if you're looking to get that type of dog and you're getting it as a puppy and you're trying mm-hmm. to raise it. First of all, if you're getting a puppy for that type of work, you probably it's probably not going to make the cut. Okay? It's well, just, you need to come see us. Odds. Yeah. Do, don't go get a puppy. Like, even if you're not getting it from us, just come talk to us. Yes. Because we're going to point you in the right direction. Talk is free. 99% of the time, you're probably going to make the wrong decision on getting a puppy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're going to get a puppy, maybe we can point you in the right direction to increase your odds. Right. basically but yeah. you're probably still not going to get what yeah, you want it's not a guarantee or anything. statistically yeah. right we just had yeah. the litter we had a litter we know both sides of the genetics mm-hmm. and uh flew out to another state tested the litter how many pups uh eight right eight maybe two will make the cut we took two and we don't know yeah and we're the experts right right so don't leave that up to yourself like yeah Talk yeah. to an expert, yeah. right? Don't do any of these things. So this is all part of the process that you do. You're actually going out to different states and different places. Oh, yeah. Different to, countries. Yeah, different. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, we were just in Holland not too yeah. long ago. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but so, right? So I that's, don't care where the dog is. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> you got good dogs off, we'll fly, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where George and Connor come in, another huge part of our company, you know, like, these guys, uh, masters at seeing things at the most simplistic level, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll fly anywhere to get a good dog. Uh, right on. Yeah. So, you know, if you're going to get a puppy, just talk to us. We don't even sell puppies, but at least we can, you know, point you in the right direction, right? Mm-hmm. It's just not our thing. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you're going to get a puppy to go down that route, it's a commitment because. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's going to be a lot of educational stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a saying in the dog training community: you'll fuck up your first four dogs, no, and that's no. true because you know it takes yeah. that long to learn what the hell to do during development, you know what to look for, what you're doing wrong, how to four. Oof. more. Man, I'm not smart then. Ten dogs. <laughs> taking, yeah, yeah. Whatever, but seek professional four-ish. Yeah. yeah. And also, like, understand what you want too, because like, if you want to go towards sport, then you know, go talk to sport people. If you if you want to go into real world stuff, talk to real world people. You know, right? But whatever, just get educated. Just don't educate. Help. Just say, well, this guy, he's a reputable breeder, and my friend got a dog off. Whatever, right? You're mm-hmm. full of shit. Mm-hmm. Just shut up. Yeah. Talk to some professionals. Talk to professionals. Right. You know. That's one. It's something that uh, I don't like saying sets us apart, or because this isn't about anybody else in the industry. It's mm-hmm. about us, and right. uh, uh, we're here. People want to learn. Come see us, right? And that's one big thing about our company. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's so many people in the industry we work with that are great. Like mm-hmm. they do the same thing as we do. We yeah. we all work together, right? We could, if you're anywhere in the country, we could probably recommend you to somewhere, right? There's a ton of people that are doing really great work in the industry, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's some people that maybe aren't, but whatever, right? We'll, we'll point you in the right direction, mm-hmm. at least. So if you want to get in the industry, just call us at least, you know? Yep. And then, so we don't, you know, it kind of breaks my heart when people get into something and, you know, they make the wrong decision. Right. Well, you get let down, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And nobody likes to see people let down. It hurts. It right. hurts. Yeah. 
Well, that, I mean, all of the things that we're talking about, this is a fairly decent investment. This is not like, oh, know, yeah. what, what is the average cost for a dog like this? Um, well, for personal protection, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, it's not uncommon to get in to mid-high six-figure range. Okay. Um, you know, obviously, there's dogs that are way less than that mm-hmm. with le- way less capabilities, too, right? right? So. It just really depends on what you're looking for. Yeah, and and not to make it a price thing, but you do. I mean, it is an investment. There's yeah. there's a degree of like how well the dog is trained, what it's capable of doing. It's no, the same sort of thing. It's not as, that. What's that? It's you're paying. So right, like a lot of people saying like, oh, look how well trained that dog is. Mm-hmm. That's a byproduct. Okay. Right. What you're with the where the price comes from is a couple different things. Mm-hmm. A, the main thing is genetic rarity. Okay. Right. How rare can this, that personal protection dog is extremely rare Mm -hmm. for our expectations, right? Mm -hmm. Like we said, right? Where's your expectations? What are the capabilities of the dogs? Ours is like extremely high. Mm -hmm. That's how rare it is. So to find that dog, to be able to have those capabilities, that genetic rarity is extremely hard to find. Okay. Right. It's, it's manpower intensive. Yeah. Now, not only like that, I right? Fly anywhere to go, and some we fly and go, and doesn't work out. Yeah. Right? So, but on top of that, you got somebody raising that dog for two years. Mm-hmm. About right when dogs start to hit maturity, and we can place them in a home. Mm-hmm. So, not only are we paying for the genetic rarity, but it's about all the team effort because it's not just one person raising this dog. Like I'm not giving it to someone. Hey, go raise this dog for us. We'll we'll give you some money to raise him mm-hmm. in your home, and then two years later we put some protection work on it. It's not how it works. Mm-hmm. We're developing this dog from six weeks old, eight weeks old, up until they're mature enough to go into a family home. Mm-hmm. So it's a team effort throughout those whole two years. It's right. our company working together to raise that dog. Yep. So those are really the two main things you're paying for, and the training is a byproduct. That's the right. easy part. The yeah. training is easy. I got you. Yeah. Uh, well, the development is hard. Yeah. All right. The the sits and downs, whatever. Right. Anybody can do that. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a big part of like our company, right? Even on the pet side of training, mm-hmm. that's a huge part of us, right? We're we're not looking for the behavior per se, right? It's right. easy to get behavior from dogs. What's more difficult is to tap in internally to the dog to make sure that dog is understanding how to manage stress and working through its insecurities and how are we building confidence in those dogs those are the things that matter after we do those mm-hmm. then we can put some behavior on them right like i right. mean obviously it's done at the same time but yeah the the, the behavior is kind of like ancillary to us right it's right. a byproduct mm-hmm. like you got to have that foundational stuff first to make things reliable gotcha other than that if we just want to focus on behavior i could get a dog to do a, whatever behavior i want mm-hmm. pretty quick Right, it's the other stuff that takes time and effort. Right, and I think it's it's very missed in general in dogs. Like people miss that part a lot. Right, we just want to see that behavior. Can I get that behavior? Yeah, you're jumping a step. Right, I because gotcha. the, the other stuff is kind of boring. Right, it's not right. fun. Yeah, repetition. Yeah, consistency. Mm-hmm. People aren't good at it. Structure, management. Right, yeah. like mm-hmm. people get very emotional. Right. You're getting right. emotional right now. <laughs> yeah. He asked you one question. You're like ripping off on him. 
I like it. I like the passion, dude. Well, That's these guys aren't asking the questions, so I just got to I got to rip through it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, well, with that being said, what are some questions that we're not asking that we should be asking? Dude, I don't know. We're already three quarters of the way through the podcast and this right here. Yeah. Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, because yeah. the reason why I ask that question is because there's obviously a, a huge delta between what I know and what you know. Oh, yeah. yeah right. Yeah, yeah, so, sure. like, what other sort of things do people not take into consideration when they're approaching this other than kind of the things you've already mentioned? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think on the training side of things, mm-hmm. um, people are very emotional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We make decisions on dogs based on us mm-hmm. and we are selfish. Okay. Right. Most of the time we are extremely selfish in the dog, to human relationship, whether okay. it be the interactions that we have or what we perceive the dog wants. Mm-hmm. Right. Most of the time, it's not what the dog wants. You're setting it up for failure. Right. Okay. Um, you know, how we're interacting with the dog, how we're touching it, how we're playing with it. Those things, a lot of times, you know, not every dog, but most of the time, I, I think we can do better as humans. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of a deep subject, so we'd probably have to, that's a that's a podcast in its own, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, how definitely. we're interacting with dogs, right? We'd have, okay. to, we'd have to drag uh, George yeah. and Connor in there. Yeah, and yeah. Get down the rabbit hole. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which It'll be like, like, you see how you're touching your dog like that? It Stop doesn't it. like it. Don't do it. <laughs> it doesn't like it. It's fucking wrong. Like it. Yeah. But I want yeah. to. And most well, of the people that, like, they tell that to, they're like, what are you talking about? You're yeah. full of shit. Yeah. And yeah. then maybe, like, six months later after their dog, like, bites them or something, they're like, all right, fine. We're I back. Understand. Yeah. I understand now maybe, what you're yeah. talking right. about, yeah. right? That's it. That, and that's the biggest thing, you know, like, um, as a company, we're on the other side. We're about mm-hmm. the dog. Right, hundred mm-hmm. percent, and uh, we 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 have to work really hard to bridge the gap, mm-hmm. and it's about what the client would like to see, mm-hmm. what their expectations are, how they view the dog being integrated in their home, right, creating clear expectations and understanding, mm-hmm. meeting those goals, but then uh, having the education and experience to say, you know, that's right. not the best thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, our clients that come in, you know, open minded and put their, uh, you know, personal beliefs and bias behind them. Come in open minded, progressive. It's an amazing thing. I tell everybody like, you know, dog ownership, training to the levels that we do. Mm -hmm. It's got to be something you're willing to invest in. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's be the hardest thing you did, but also the most rewarding. Right. So something else I think that it's really important for people to understand is that, and this is kind of going back to something that you said, Chris, that like people need to understand that dogs are not humans. They may exhibit a lot of the same behaviors or or things, but they are not human beings. Okay. And a a way that I like to express this is that if you took your wife and your dog and you locked them both in the trunk of your car for about an hour. Okay. When you open that (laughs) fucking trunk, which one is going to be happy to see you? Dog. Okay. Yeah. Just because they, they, they do act certain ways and they, they exhibit a lot of behaviors yeah. and things like that, they are not humans. They do not, not think and act the same way that we do. It goes back to the first part of our conversation, right? Right. They're survivalists, mm-hmm. period. And people forget that. Yeah, right? so if you're trying to make your dog happy, you're probably not doing it the right way. Yeah. Because you don't know what the hell you're talking about. You don't know what the, what's going on in the dog's head. So. Whoa, 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 whoa. You probably know <laughs> something, yes. but not everything. And come get educated. We'll yeah. help you out. Like, uh, dude, here we go. Throwing darts. I'm not throwing darts. 
but yeah, like and that, and that's what happens, right? A right. lot of the things we end up dealing with mm-hmm. uh, on the police side, on the pet side, doesn't matter where it is. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a relationship counseling, right? Mm-hmm. Something has become off kilter, mm-hmm. and we're here to mitigate and help everybody meet the middle, mm-hmm. right. come uh, live in uh, live in harmony, as Eric would say. Right, that's right, and, and uh, be accurate at the same time. Harmony and accuracy. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. one of our uh, buddies. That's another company. I got you. We talk crap to him about that too, but. Just because it's funny, but it's true. But again, right. it's right, a like, really good point. High level people in the industry, right? There's a ton of them out there. Mm-hmm. Like, we'll be more than glad to recommend somebody, even if you come to us and you're like, you guys, I don't like your vibe. You're crazy. You're crazy. Right. You're too intense. <laughs> you guys don't let me, you know, interact the way I want to with my dog. Like, right. hey, there's like 10 other people we know that we could recommend you to. Right. The yeah. industry is filled with great, great minds, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe some of those minds don't even know how to put themselves out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? True. Actually, most of them, right? Like most of the people in the industry that are worth a shit, they're not popular enough. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Because they're too much about the animal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's hard to. And they're not business people either, right? They're not. They're there for the animal. Yeah. So they rely on referrals and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But amazing dog people. Amazing dog people. So mm-hmm. hey, even if we're not your cup of tea. Mm-hmm. We'd probably be able to point you in the right direction. Or whiskey, cup of whiskey. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's important um, because not everybody necessarily is looking for super high speed uh, special forces trained dog. Sure, you know. Um, but like I said, I do think that it's important to to have that uh, to have that capability, even if it's not to that extent. And like you're saying, if that's not what you feel like you need. There are kind of steps from there you can go. Absolutely. Um, oh yeah. I mean, uh, half oh. the dogs we train are they're not that dog, right? Mm-hmm. One of my one of my favorite moments ever in law enforcement. <clears throat> I was on a surveillance unit for a while. Big, huge, tatted up gang member breaking in the house. So we've been following him for a while, mm-hmm. and uh, we're all set up on him. He goes up to this house, and we'd already uh, walked the neighborhood, so we knew kind of what was going on because we knew he was coming into that area because he'd been casing it out for a while. And he starts kicking the front door of this house in, and they had literally had a Boston Terrier. <laughs> he, yeah. he left, went yeah. to another house. Like, right, yeah. think about that, right? right. So, um, you know, like you're saying, that's the lowest level of protection, mm-hmm. right? Those that there is, there's value in that, right? Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's a Boston Terrier mm-hmm. or the Malinois. Yeah, just the presence of train dog. Them, right. Train them from their perspective, make them as confident, as strong as they can be. Mm-hmm. Even if you're emotionally connected to them, we're like, hey. Like I said, you want a ten, but you got a six. Have them be the right. best six they can be, and that's what we're here so, for. So, so that's a one, <laughs> right? Ah, I don't know. Let's see. The Boston Terrier. Yeah, that's what, the one. What if I had a badass biting Boston Terrier? Mm. What about that? <laughs> I got one right now that we might be able to train. Actually, yeah, he's pretty cool. But mm-hmm. let's just say that's a one. What's a ten? Uh, Ditto and Brad, dude. So, dudes are chilling. Dudes about to break in the house. And the dog's just looking at you, asking you, what do you want me to do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dude comes in, he looks at him, he looks at you, and you say, that's the dude. Go get him. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's where the real arrow that we that should be peaceful. throwing goes. Yeah. Right? Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. For Not sure. a dog that's at the door, like... Trying to bust through the window. Right. Because the mailman's coming out. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right yeah. on. Mm-hmm. 
So, completely different. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Both valuable, completely different. Right. Hmm. What else? Are you done? Are you done, like, uh, poking the bear? (laughs) I'm glad George was busy tonight. Because, man, he'd be over here, like, stewing it up. <laughs> no, no, that's not the way. That's that's not <laughs> how you're supposed to explain it. Yeah, he'd be, you know, not enough about the dog. Yeah, yeah. 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 We got a great team. We got a great team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you know what, let's uh, let's jump into some decoy stuff, because I think uh, not enough education on decoy stuff. Yeah. Right? Like, basically decoy work. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a dog. I got a puppy dreaming, and another dog wondering what's what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> nice uh, decoys, right? Like the people getting bit in the suit. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Back in the day, ragdoll. Right. Just Big giant ragdoll. You stupid guy over there, get in the suit and run away. I'm gonna sick my dog on you. Yeah. Right. No value. Not nothing. Maybe we didn't know counterproductive. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like today's days, right? If we're you know, for us, right, we're we're developing dogs, how they bite, how they fight, right? Mm-hmm. We're not just wanting a dog to show aggression and put his teeth on someone. We're right. we're training a dog to actually just fight, right? Like, mm-hmm. yep. kind of a complicated process. Yeah. Uh, the only person that can educate that dog is the person in the suit. Yep. Right? Connor and George, right? Probably Amazing. one of the, I don't, I don't want to step boundaries here. Don't say How good are they? Uh, amazing. Amazing, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, Connor's been doing it for over 10 years. George yeah. has been in it for, what, 30 now? Yep. They're still going to seminars and learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Um, a lot of people out there don't put enough emphasis on that. No. And that only sets a dog up for failure. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I think maybe in general protection and police dogs don't have enough of that. Yeah. And that might be a part of how we're here today. Oh, amazing. Right. Huge part of it. Right. Yeah. The skill level of the people that we have uh, teaching the dogs to do this thing. That's so important. Mm -hmm. Uh, Rare. Rare. If anybody wants to be a decoy, (laughs) look us up. Canine Defense. Uh, Right. Come learn from the best. Yeah, if you want to spend we're a few years old. learning, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, a few years easy, yeah, yeah easy, right? But I've if been you, going if at you, a few years, and George has a has a sticker in the back of his truck that Connor stuck there. It says the okest decoy. <laughs> Obviously, he's kidding because yeah. George is amazing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've been doing it for years, and um, you know, uh, like I said, it's like practicing martial arts, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, humbling days, humbling days. Well, if you think about it, that makes perfect sense. It's like, you know, if you're a jiu-jitsu player doesn't roll by himself. He, he's got to train with somebody else. Absolutely. That, that's how you train. Yep. You yeah. Know? It's yeah. even better if you train with the black belt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Right. Exactly. You, you know. know. And, yeah. but, but the subtleties, man, the subtleties mm-hmm. and yeah. the nuances, that's what it comes down to, right? Because, like, we can we can teach some decoys to do some pretty okay decoy stuff. Yeah. But, like, like the me. problem okay solving, is, man. Yeah. Like, like, how do you yeah. problem solve things? Right there in the moment. Right? Yeah. Right there in the moment. And, and the thing is, like, nobody on the outside even knows what's going on with those subtleties and those nuances. Only yep. the decoy knows, right? Yep. And so I think you got to be extremely passionate, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And also have an extremely intelligent mind on your in your head, right? Yep. Like, you got to be super smart. Yep. 
Uh, and just that, like and trainers, that's pretty though, rare. there's there's uh, over the past. I mean, for years it's been this way, but there's amazing decoys out there, right? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, look us up. Let's come train together. Yep. Yeah, we're always looking for super, you know, solid humans. Yeah. No ego. Leave your ego. <laughs> no ego. Come look us up. I mean, we're <laughs> gonna talk a bunch of shit, and we're gonna we're gonna brew some egos, but yeah, uh, it's all to be better. Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. There you go. But uh, extremely important piece, mm-hmm. decoy work, right? Yeah. Super important. Yep. Chris refuses to get in the bite suit, so there you go. No, I'm just not my thing, you know. Yeah, I mean, right. like, I look, I'm not. The like, dude lifts like seven million pounds of weight. <laughs> he does. Like, look, man, I, you know it's passion, and right. maybe I don't want to get bit every day. It's just not my thing, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, and I do. I love yeah, it. It's yeah. like you know, but yeah. I've also been on the other end where it didn't work out, you know. Yeah. So, yep. yeah. There you go. Uh, do you have any other things that you feel like uh, you really want people to know as far as this? Uh, How many more darts important? do you want to throw? Zero. Okay. All of them. Yeah, zero. <laughs> zero. Uh, no, I mean, uh, we're just, we're really passionate. Mm-hmm. We believe in this. Uh, we know we're good at it, uh, but every day is humbling. And if you're in the market for a high-level protection dog that's actually capable mm-hmm. or your people. And uh, we don't do it uh, because we think it. We do it because we know it because our dogs get challenged all the time. Mm-hmm. And look us up. Come find us. Mm-hmm. And like Chris said many times, if we're not your people, we'll get you in the right direction. Because mm-hmm. any high-quality tool is expensive. Mm-hmm. And it hurts us when people waste their money. Sure. So let's get you what you need. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you have the Boston Terrier, want to see if it could be a <laughs> badass biting Boston Terrier, come see us too. Right. You know, we're, we're everything dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a new perspective for our company too. We really mm-hmm. uh, pushed all sorts of limits. Uh, but it doesn't matter what you're training. You learn so much in everything you're doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's one of the things that makes us different. Mm-hmm. Where can people find you guys? Socials, website. Yep. Canine Defense, mm-hmm. Instagram, caninedefense.com. Mm-hmm. With a K and then the nine. Right. <laughs> yeah, not, not C-A-N-I-E or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, look us up, follow us, um, and uh, reach out to us, like I said. Mm-hmm. And if you're really passionate about dogs and feel like you want to do it, come find us. We're mm-hmm. always looking at quality people. Yeah. And just like they said, even if this seems a little more extreme than what you're particularly looking for, that doesn't mean that they can't help. There's still other avenues that they kind of point you in the right direction yeah. and make sure that you're you're getting what it is that you do want. But it all kind of solves the same issue of like, it's important to have, I think just in general, for many, le- on all different levels, not just the protection side of it, dogs fill a, a role for us. There's a reason why they're man's best friend. They, they 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 provide something that other animals don't. You know, when you come home and they they're there to greet you, you know they're there with you no matter what, no matter what kind of day you've had. They love you, you know, and they they provide something that's very important. You know, um, connection. I just, yeah, I just connection. think that's important for people yeah. to have. Yeah, it so, is. Yeah, it is, and uh, they're not going anywhere, right? Uh, and uh, 
they're just being integrated more and more and more in all different areas of life, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you want to do it at a high level, come find us. There you go. <laughs> all right. Last Pleasure, question guys. I'm going to ask you guys. Uh, I don't know if either of your parents, but uh, what's, what's your best dad advice? Mm. That's a deep question, man. I know. I'm all about hard questions. I'm going to say it because I'm, I'm not a parent, so mm-hmm. I'll let him think about it. Um, but we are uh, we're going down some times where we're, we're, we're misunderstanding or putting the values in the wrong places mm-hmm. and uh, not paying enough attention to what everybody's role is in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't mean we can't challenge those roles and do things outside of our roles. That's not what I mean. But I'm going to recommend a book because I recommend it to this guy. Okay. Strong Father, Strong Daughters. Okay. Uh, I'm not a parent, uh, but I read it to help a buddy of mine. Mm-hmm. It's very powerful. Um, but that's about women, mm-hmm. right? We got to raise our men right. Mm-hmm. And we're, uh, we're confusing the lines. I'll leave that there. Okay. Don't. We need warriors. Absolutely. And we need women too. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, raise them both to be strong. Stop catering to them. Uh, let's just like dogs, mm-hmm. not to say humans are like dogs, but let's create balanced, social, stable children. Mm-hmm. We are, we're not doing it right now. Some people are, right? But mm-hmm. we're off kilter right now. Right. Mm-hmm. It's certainly not enough. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like the reactive and aggressive animals we see out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is definitely trending you know, upward, right? <laughs> right. We, we, we see a lot uh, that things are off kilter. So let's uh, find some balance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I necessarily need time to think about it, but yeah, I'm, just <laughs> saying, I'm just saying it's a deep question. I'm waiting for another dart. Here's the thing. Uh, you know, you have kids. Stop being selfish. Because most people Ooh. are, even if they think... They're not right. Like, mm-hmm. oh no, I'm so I'm not selfish. I love my kids. I'm like, I'm gonna throw another dart. Like, no, you're selfish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So stop being selfish because you're not the priority anymore. Hey, dog ownership. Yeah. A lot of times starts selfishly. I, right. I think mm-hmm. I'm not a parent, but like I see a lot of good friends. Like, starts out maybe in the wrong thing, right? Yeah. Find the balance though. So the, you know that's one thing, right? Like the kids are the priority now, and you need to make sure you're setting them up. To their benefit and stop, you know, you can't be lazy about it, right? Like mm-hmm. there has to be effort. If it, if it doesn't feel hard, then you're probably doing it wrong, okay. right? Good point. Um, you know, another thing is like, I got two daughters, they're young, but mm-hmm. I'm teaching them things like leadership, communication, mm-hmm. negotiation, right? Those are the things I'm teaching. I'm not, I'm not and I'm getting them out in the world, right? Um, I, I think there's a lot of just let me do my work or just let me live mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. well you're being selfish mm-hmm. right you're like i just need my time right right um like what the hell do you have kids for dude <laughs> you're, right? you're, you're throwing you're you've gone to a straight up compound compound bow at this point <laughs> so, uh, is, you know, i know where you're coming from yeah yeah man yeah. um yeah. kids are yeah, it's innocent and fragile, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I think we don't we get caught up in our own lives, man. Right. Yeah, for sure. Right. Speaking of that, George, tell Anna we're coming for a cookie stand. 
<laughs> Tommy, you need to get your ass back to the kennel and get to work. That's George's kids. There you uh, go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right now. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation. I greatly appreciate you sharing the information that you have and, and really kind of breaking down the again, this is more than just like typical training which is like you said i mean that that's the easy part of it yeah the things digging deep man yeah the things that yeah. you're going for are like way beyond that because you're you're trying to accomplish something that is far in excess of just yeah. an everyday household pet the internal workings mm-hmm. not yeah. just behavior right yeah behavior is easy it really is uh bring a dog in trying to bite everybody mm-hmm. i can make it not bite me right mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. easy uh but the way i get there it's not going to have long-term success, right. you know, and uh, we're different than that. So it doesn't mean we don't understand both sides of the equation. There you go. All right. Well, I greatly appreciate your time. Thank and, you. Uh, it's been fun. Look forward to talking with you more. Soon. Absolutely. All right. Let's do it. Thank you, gentlemen. Take care. Thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Also, you can now support the Non-Victim Nation by donating via listener support directly on Spotify. Remember. The story of your life is being written right now, and you are the hero.